0: Hey, folks, I hope you and your loved ones are staying healthy and safe during these extraordinarily difficult times. Each day brings a slate of headlines, and as always, we're here to make sense of it. On Wednesday, President Trump threatened to adjourn Congress in order to ram through his pending nominations for federal court judges, attempting to take advantage of a process known as recess appointments to bypass the Senate confirmation process. Meanwhile, Trump's longtime adviser, Roger Stone, who in February was sentenced to 40 months in prison, had his motion for a retrial denied by a district court judge in D.C., and for the first time ever, the Supreme Court has announced that it will live stream oral arguments during a series of high-profile cases in early May, including cases concerning the release of President Trump's financial records and tax returns. I talk about all this and more with Ann Milgram on the Cafe Insider podcast. Each week, we break down politically charged legal issues making the headlines. Today, we're making a clip from the most recent episode available in the Stay Tuned feed. To listen to our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. And now college students with a valid edu email qualify for a special discount. Head to cafe.com slash student and sign up at a special rate. Again, that's cafe.com slash student. We look forward to having you as a part of the insider community. So here's another example of something head-turning that the president sort of just declares either in a tweet or at a briefing. In the last few days, he said, I will exercise my constitutional authority to adjourn both chambers of Congress. He says the current practice of leaving town while conducting phony pro forma sessions is a dereliction of duty that the American people cannot afford during this crisis. It's a scam what they do. So the president has now invoked a little-known obscure clause in the Constitution that he says gives him the authority to just basically send Congress home. And the reason that he says he wants to exercise that authority, which he doesn't really have in the way that he's described it, is because there's no action being taken on various judicial nominees and other nominees that he has pending before the Senate. Is he going to get that done?
1: This is a fascinating question, and and probably a lot of people heard it last week and and sort of scratch their heads a little because it's this is not something we generally talk about and it's a little bit weedy, but let's go deep just for a minute, which is the president has this power under Article Two, Section Two of the Constitution, the Appointments Clause, that says, quote, the president shall have the power to fill up all vacancies that may happen during the recess of the Senate by granting commissions which shall expire at the end of their next session. So basically, and this has been used for presidents throughout time. Congress is in recess, and they've declared a recess, and then the president makes recess appointments, and those appointments last till the next, the end of the next session of Congress. And that the idea was historically that if Congress was out on recess, it could be a long time. The president could have too many vacancies in the executive branch, so there had to be a way for the president to fill that.
0: That's also because at the time that those clauses were written, they were traveling by horse and buggy.
1: So yes, completely. Much longer not, yeah. Yes, exactly, and you could not get from California to Washington D.C. in six hours. So, right. well, there was, what,
0: no, there was no California then, but yes,
1: right. That's a good point. <laughs> I was trying to think of the most extreme example, the farthest place. But what Congress now does is Congress goes into these pro forma sessions and what has the supreme court has upheld that essentially if you take 3 days if you sort of have these 3 day breaks that doesn't constitute a recess and so a recess only happens when both bodies the house and the senate say they're in recess and that hasn't happened the president has a very, very arcane power under Article 2, Section 3, something called the Adjournment Clause that allows him, if there's a dispute between the Senate and the House, so the Senate wants to go and recess, but the House doesn't, for example, that the president can then override in the midst of that dispute, to sort of break the tie if there's that argument between the House and the Senate as to whether they'll go and recess, the president could override that and pick the date for which they have to come back. And basically, I don't know, I can't think of any example of when this has been used in modern times. The Senate and House, we should note, they are in this pro forma session right now that they both agreed to, so there is no pending dispute. So it's not even like this is a real legal issue for the president to have the authority, even under the Constitution, to do something, but this is a lot of i think it 's saber rattling because he wants he wants more appointments um, he wants to get more judges on the bench, and we should talk a little bit about why he wants that and what 's been happening with judges, but this is just him going to something really that isn't invoked and isn't used by presidents as a rule. They do use recess appointments. But this idea of the president of the United States being able to tell Congress, I'm telling you, you're adjourned, um, you know, really, it looks to me like it would violate the separation of powers if he just arbitrarily did it, particularly whereas here, there's no dispute between the House and the Senate.
0: How do you think this came up? Do you think the president was tired of tweeting one night, and he was just looking through his pocket constitution and came across the adjournment clause? Or was some non-lawyer in the White House telling him about it? Or does he have some some scholar on retainer who thinks that this obscure power can be used? Like, well, how, did, how did he sort of throw this out there? I don't think he came up with it on his own.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, I would note that there's been bipartisan criticism of it as well this is not an idea, the president threw it out there, that was really adopted by the sort of mainstream of either political party. What's really interesting about it is that you're probably right that someone probably said, hey, you should do this, you should try to do it. But what's really unusual is that Mitch McConnell has been the head of the Senate and the Senate Republicans, the Senate majority leader. He's really been a huge ally of the president's on getting through judges, judicial nominations. And actually, you know, we'll talk in a minute about some who some of the people are on the list of people that the president has nominated, who McConnell clearly would favor going through. But this appears to not be aligned with McConnell. I mean, McConnell doesn't seem to be looking to the president to use this power.
0: You have to remember that the other branches of government, sometimes, not always, and less so in his presidency than in other times, they maintain some dignity and some responsibility and want to maintain their power also. And to sort of go along with this whole ploy of adjourning the House and the Senate so that a slew of recess appointments can be made would be an abdication of of duty and responsibility on Mitch McConnell's part would make him look, I think, rather weak.
1: Yeah. Plus, you know, it could happen that Joe Biden is president in November and that Biden then did it. And so I think to the extent that, and I don't know that there is any extent to which people like McConnell care about long-lasting precedent, but to the extent that some people do care about it. It would, it would set a terrible president. It would also really even more greatly erode the power of Congress than President Trump has already done, and I think would be very, very dangerous to give the president the ability to say that the president gets to tell Congress when it's in session.
0: You know, it's all founded on that very important basic legal principle known as what goes around comes around. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So let's let's talk about why it is that the president seems to be expressing great frustration in part about the number of judges who have been confirmed. And if you look at all the tallies and counts, Trump, on the one hand, boasts about how many judges he's gotten through. McConnell boasts about how many judges he's gotten through the Senate. So there's a little bit of a contradiction between their boastfulness about how many judges they've gotten through for their base and this radical idea of adjourning the Congress. If you look at simply Court of Appeals judges, one step removed from the Supreme Court, at this time in his presidency, Donald Trump has gotten confirmed 51 at the same point in Barack Obama's presidency, he'd gotten confirmed only 27. So I'm not sure there's a lot to squawk about.
1: Yeah. And if you look at all the federal judges, the total number of judges at this point in time between Trump and Obama, Trump has confirmed 193 judges and Obama had 139. And so- President Trump has put 54 more judges into office for lifetime appointments than Obama had at this point in time. And so, you know, Trump has really, he's using this to change, really to change the course of the country and to make the judiciary far more conservative. And that will have big impacts on people's lives for years to come because these are lifetime appointments. But again, I mean, I think your point is exactly the right one, which is in, so many ways how inconsistent the president's arguments are. You know, they, are, they have touted how much they've gotten done. They have actually gotten many, many more judges confirmed than other presidents in recent history. And yet the argument now is that the president has to force the hand of the Senate to get even more judges.
0: You know, can, we, can, we just, can I just make one comment? The president says kind of outrageous things about his executive authority and his power, and they're indefensible. And I see sometimes people who are on the right and generally allies of the president, but who have some intellectual integrity, the best argument they can make, it's not a good argument, but the best argument they can make is when the president says something like my authority is total, right? They say, well, obviously that's silly. And obviously it doesn't really mean that because when it comes time to exercise his power, he doesn't do it in that way. These are just words he uses. So don't take them so seriously. I I think that's not a good argument because he's the president of the United States and his words have meaning and his words have power and they can confuse people uh, and they can sound kind of dictatorial, but that's the best argument they can use. But you know th- there is something to be said about that right the president says over and over again he likes to claim that he has this massive unfettered authority he says i could pardon myself if i want which of course he cannot my authority is total which of course it is not i can adjourn the congress which of course we as we've discussed he almost certainly cannot and so it, it's in some ways i mean sometimes he does exercise over it does exercise over dramatic power but often he doesn't and he just likes to make the boast and make the claim which is well, consistent some of it with it's about general- framing,
1: yeah. yeah it's about
0: his narcissism, framing. a little bit.
1: Yes, yeah. It's a little bit also about framing. I also had this moment of thinking. Again, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. We have more than forty thousand Americans who have died, and the president is out there arguing about judges getting confirmed to Congress. And in some ways, it goes back to he always likes to play offense. He wants to frame the debates in deeply political terms, because when he does, his base is galvanized. And so this idea that, you know, the Democrats are in some way stopping him from confirming judges, which or are not coming to Congress to work, which is not at all the case. The Senate is adjourned because there's a, it's in pro forma session because there's a, a national healthcare crisis and healthcare emergency you know but he's framing it in this way that again you know we we've seen time and time again he does it and it works with his base and it's very very political
0: yeah and to look to the extent that the president claims that he's upset about confirmations not happening with respect to things other than judges recall that last year the president himself has basically said that he he doesn't like to nominate people he likes acting he said quote well i'm in no hurry i have acting and my actings are doing really great, but I sort of like acting. Gives me more flexibility. Do you understand that? I like acting. He's not in a rush to fulfill vacancies in the executive branch. He likes the acting. There are a lot of nominees that haven't been put forward, so that's another reason why this is sort of political theater, too.
1: Yeah, can we talk about some of the judges that the president wants to get confirmed? Sure can. Okay, so the, there are two high-profile nominations that the White House recently made. One is a man named Justin Walker, who has been nominated to the United States Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia. That, as you know, is really considered to be the second highest court in the country. It's an appellate court, but it really, it because it sits in DC, it hears all the government cases. It is really very important and is really sort of the court below the Supreme Court for all intents and purposes. So it is a really powerful court. And then the other nomination is someone named Corey Wilson, who's been nominated to go to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Let's talk about Walker for a minute, who, again, has been nominated to go to the second highest court in the land. Very prestigious court, very important court. It's the court that Merrick Garland sits on. It's critically important for the country. Now, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and the entire conservative legal community is very excited about Justin Walker. He is 37 years old. He's from Kentucky, he is a Mitch McConnell protege. The two have known each other for years. He was a law clerk to Brett Kavanaugh. When Kavanaugh was on the Court of Appeals, he then went on to clerk for retired Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy. He is now, in last October, October 2019, he became a district court judge for the Western District of Kentucky, even though the American Bar Association gave him a not qualified rating, citing insufficient legal experience. And if we could go back for a minute, what we would know about his bio is that he was an intern when he was in high school in Mitch McConnell's Senate office. Then he was a part of the communications department. He did press for the Bush-Cheney presidential campaign in 2004. He went on to college and law school. He was a speechwriter at the Pentagon for Don Rumsfeld. He graduated from Harvard Law School in 2009. Then when he went back to Louisville, Kentucky, he practiced law from his home, which is interesting. And then became a law professor. Isn't
0: that what isn't that what we're all doing now?
1: <laughs> yes, he he had early um early training in this. He then became a law professor at the University of Louisville. And he's been a leader in the Federalist Society, the Conservative Legal Society and wanted to become a judge, told McConnell he wanted to become a judge, literally just went on the federal bench essentially six months ago, and now has been nominated to sit on the second highest court in the land. It's a pretty astonishing appointment. And I would expect the Senate, the Republican senators have the votes to get him through. We'll see what happens. But this is one of the nominations that the president is pushing for.
0: So I think it was a week or two ago, and that we touched upon the issue of remote voting from Congress. Uh, we were talking about recesses and it's a problem. And there was some suggestion that the legal analysis showed that maybe the Constitution didn't allow members of Congress to vote remotely. There are references. I hope you've enjoyed this sample of the Cafe Insider podcast. To listen to the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership free for two weeks. Interested students with a valid EDU email can head to cafe.com slash student. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.